Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. My name is Jennifer Paulson and I'm your host of this podcast. Um, this is our ninth installment. We're really excited that it's gone so well that we've, we've gotten this far in the series. Um, today we're talking to NRHA professional Cole Price. He's based in Texas and um, here recently you've seen him in the leaderboard um, at the NRBC, at the Derby. Um, you know, he's, he's making waves for sure and getting people's attention. Welcome to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. We're here to honor the history of reining, discuss current events and trends, and look ahead at the opportunities this sport has in its future. We'll honor the legacy makers, movers, and shakers from the reining industry, as well as grassroots competitors and weekend warriors to offer insights from the full spectrum of the reining community. So um, Cole, we're really happy to have you here today, and um, we're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you much, glad to be here. So we'll get started first with our uh, what we call our large fast uh, five icebreaker questions to let everybody get to know you just quickly before we get into more details. So here we go. What's your favorite food to have in the truck when you're hauling? Well, my probably my go-to is a combination between White Monster energy drink and mm-hmm. beef jer- and beef jerky. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Or combos. I like combos, too. Oh, those are awesome. I haven't had those in forever. <laughs> yeah. They're great for you, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you guys like to listen to when you're on the road? Uh, we listen to everything. Probably my go-to. Uh, I like 80s rock, like yeah. Journey or 38 Specials, kind of that kind of stuff, Bon Jovi. But we listen to a little bit of everything. Uh, we're really big into, like, Whiskey Myers right now. Anything, honestly. Old yeah. country. For sure. Yeah. And you guys have a lot of that really great Texas country there. Yeah. Too, you guys get to have. Yeah. Um, what is right now that comes to your mind first, your most memorable accomplishment so far in your career? I'd say reserve thirty champion in 2018 on Isn't She Perfect. And um, what's your favorite trait in any horse that you swing a leg over? You know, there's, for me, it's a horse that can just like a sponge they just soak up information you know they just they just want to hunt the answers they feel like they go through a brick wall for you just something that really soaks up anything you throw at them to me that's the trait of a really good horse you know sometimes that'll override talent is the mind that just wants to please um so then with your non-pros what's the most common piece of advice that you're giving before they go into the panda show you know i always try to say um your pattern placement, you know, kill them with perfection, you know, rather than just go fast. Uh, you know, to me, a lot of times if you lay out a perfect pattern as far as pattern placement, um, you know, those judges have to mark you mm-hmm. rather than be, rather than try to go for a plus one maneuver, you know, just lay out perfect pattern, uh, you know, kill them with perfection. That's kind of what I would go with. Just be a perfect, perfect pattern placement, stay out of the penalty box, and then just let the judges mark you. Perfect. So, Cole, with your your background with horses, when you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago about a different project that we were working on, um, I learned that your background is a little bit different than a lot of the people who we talk to. Um, can you tell me about your upbringing with horses and um, and how you got where you are now? So, uh, I grew up with horses. Actually, my my family had uh, Pertron draft horses, um, and I mean, I was always horse crazy. I think you're either born with it or not. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, that's all I ever wanted to do is be around horses. Um, but we had draft horses. Uh, we had a four horse hitch. We, we competed uh, all the way until we were probably, I was probably about seven or eight, probably just about the time where I was actually able to really start helping and doing something mm-hmm. rather than just being in the way all the time. Um, <laughs> We got out of it. We actually had a, well, I mean, there was, I'm the youngest one of the grandkids and there was uh, six or seven of us. I can't remember. It was a whole family. So, you know, everybody started playing sports and everybody just kind of started doing stuff, you know, getting into junior high and high school. So I think we kind of got out of that for that reason. Um, but when we got out of the draft horses, I started uh, riding horses at my neighbors and then Trying to think about how old I was. I was probably about 12. We bought a, of course, about a two-year-old app stud. That was going to be my first true horse. Uh, and that was probably the first horse I ever trained up or really got interested in the training side of it. You know, then I kind of started learning stuff. My grandpa was a big influence on me. He was a very good horseman. And my dad helped me out a lot, too. My grandpa was always there uh, helping me. Um, that was kind of always his hobby was the horses and he enjoyed he never trained really but he enjoyed teaching you know I think you're a good horseman you're a good horseman and he was so I started learning kind of the how to how to start colts and stuff like that and then I think probably when I was 13 and 14 I started training horses for just neighbors uh I think at one point one summer I had like 10 horses I would just drive around to their places and and uh start, you know, train their horses for them. One summer I, I detasseled corn, which is something a lot of people don't know of, but it's in, in the Midwest, you walk down the corn road and pull out the tassels of the corn and it's absolutely a horrible job. Yeah. That sounds uh, like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. You get, you get up at four o'clock, you get on a school bus and you get to walk down wet corn rows and get corn rash everywhere and oh, then be hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a terrible job. And I did it for like a week. And that really sealed the deal on me wanting to be a horse trainer because I I quit the tasseling corn and decided that I could uh, choose my own race and be doing something I wanted to actually have a career in. So that's kind of really how my how I first got started training horses. It was just starting horses for for the neighbors. Uh, like I said, at one point I think I had ten, maybe twelve horses. I was riding, just driving around in my saddle and back in my car. Just go ride horses and then I think when I was about probably about 15 my dad and grandpa went out to the pizza ranch right. uh, my grandpa always won the horse in the pizza ranch and they bought a little mare that was like a granddaughter of Hollywood done it and I knew of the name I knew I kind of knew it was a rain horse but I really didn't know what raining was so I started looking it up you know I bought a horse with Hollywood done it and you had to do raining you know that's just kind of how my mind thought it was <laughs> and I remember Wimpy's little steps the turdy run was the first run I think I ever seen on the internet. Uh, and I mean, I was hooked. That's all I ever wanted to do since I seen that run. Um, and I can remember reading, reading, uh, articles in like the per- performance force magazine. I remember there, like Todd Bergen did a big article about, uh, stopping one and any sort of information I could pick up from somebody. I was like a sponge and I still am that way, but I was just intrigued with these reining horses. And then the summer between my sophomore and junior year, no, let's see, is it between my sophomore and junior year or between my junior and senior year of high school, 
I did, uh, it must have been between my junior and senior year of high school. I did a summer internship with Brent Lowski at Green Valley Ranch, Perfect, yeah. which is now Cardinal Ranch. And, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't really know that much as far as raining. I kind of, you know, maybe I had an idea about how to move a horse's body, but I mean, I really didn't know that much. And uh, that was a huge, huge step for me because, you know, I got to be around a lot of people, got to see it all be around nice horses and that was probably that was my first opportunity to be around really nice horses just kind of got thrown into it and got my feet wet and then right after high school brent hired me back uh for the rest of the summer and in the fall and then i went to blackhawk college which is in kiwani illinois which is about 45 minutes from where i grew up uh, which was an equestrian school. And when I was there, I got introduced to Mike Davis and I worked for Mike Davis for five years. And I think when I worked for Mike, that's probably where I taught the most, uh, you know, I, cause I went from somebody fairly green to, you know, starting to have an idea about some things. And, and Mike, I think, uh, he really helped, you know, push me on and bring me along. And, you know, I was at that age, uh, you know, 19, 20, uh, you're starting to mature up a little bit and think about stuff like actually have a real grasp on, you know, life and trying to think about what you really want to do in the future. And I stayed with Mike. I didn't show my very first reigning horse until 2009, uh, which I was 19 years old. That was quite the experience. I think that was probably one thing that I had to learn the most was how to show, but right. I worked for Mike for five years and then I went to work for Gabe Hutchins for three years. And then in 2015, I started my own business. So I wanted to kind of step back to the beginning of, of your story. Um, did you say that your first horse that you had was a two-year-old Appaloosa stud? Yep. How did that go? I mean, you were young and, and green. and. <laughs> uh, you know what? It was, uh, I think after I had him for about four or five months, they decided that he probably needed to be a gelding. Okay. And, uh, you know, that horse taught that he was great-minded and really sweet and he taught me so much because like I was, re I was learning like the kind of Clinton Anderson method and stuff like that, the horsemanship side of it. And I mean, I used to just drill this horse and drill it and drill it. And he took it, you know, where a lot of horses would be like, Hey, you know, enough's enough. Like he took it. And uh, that horse really probably, you know, he's the one who really got me started as far as teaching, you know, starting horses, you know, because he was really good minded. At least I thought he was. I mean, I still think he is. He, he was never a turd. I was joking. My first horse was an Appaloosa, but you, you got to start somewhere. Uh, but he was really good minded. Yeah. And I actually sold him. Uh, I think I doubled or tripled my money from what I bought for him. And then I went and bought another one. And yeah, it actually worked out good. That's kind of how, how I got started owning some mountain horses too, from that first app that I had. Well, obviously, I mean, he was a big, a big part of making you who you are and the kind of horseman that you are now. Um, what other horses might we know that you credit as bringing you to this part of your career, this, this phase where you're really in the limelight? And um, there's been quite a few that, that you've done great things with. Um, who's, which ones yeah. stand out in your mind? I would probably say the one that sticks out the most is a horse called FM Shine and Tag Tech. Okay. Uh, I, I won the level one security on him, and I was reserved in the two and three in 2014 on him. Me and uh, my clients, Mike and Trish Yeager, we picked him out as a yearling in the security sale. That was kind of the first really, really nice horse, and I'd love to have him all over again. That was probably the really the first 
super, super nice horse I've, I had, you know, up until that point, I probably wasn't riding horses nearly as nice, but I was learning stuff, you know, how to, how to do, do stuff, you know, like I'd watch Sean, watch Andre and I tried on those horses. Well, sometimes those horses couldn't just, they couldn't take it as much. Well, FM Shannon Tag Checks was the first horse that really like he could do he could do what I was trying to teach him and it was very obvious when it was right so all the stuff that I'd been wanting to teach a horse in the in the past years he could he could do it but not only that but he figured out just like that so that horse really gave me the confidence of uh you know that I can do it I think I won about 80 80,000 on a missed level four finals by about half a point on him but that was probably the first horse that really helped step me up uh and really help uh you know kind of give you an expectation of what what a really nice horse is you know and what they'll do and the neat thing about him is you know i got to train him and i got to show him and and he was you know he's a true show horse he wasn't he'd walk in there and maybe give you more that horse i think today he's won about 160 170,000 now but that was probably the horse that i think kind of put me out there a little bit, but also give me the confidence that that all that stuff I learned, you know, I can do it to him and uh and he took it good and so that's probably the one I credit the most uh as far as the learning career and the confidence. For sure. And then obviously isn't she perfect, you know, she kind <laughs> of I mean that mare is very special. She's the one that kinda took me beyond, you know, really put me out there and you know, almost won it, won the whole deal for me. So, you know, that place, that mare holds a real special place in my heart. Those two, I think, are probably the most two influential horses I've had. And isn't she perfect is still in your barn, right? Uh, yeah. What, what, um, who do you look up to in your career, um, to influence how you train your horses, how you show them, how you care for them and how you work with your customers? There's so many aspects to this business and there are different things that people excel at. Um, who do you look up to? You know, I guess the first first couple people I look up to is uh, my mom and dad, and I know they're not. This is probably not the right answer, but uh, my mom and dad, and my my grandpa Melvin, uh, you know, they really instilled the work ethic part of it and the honesty part of it. I mean, that's one thing about me. I'm very honest. I try to do an honest job. You know, I guess you get what you pay for, but I, you know, I want to be able to sleep at the end of the night and not have to worry about, oh, you you did this wrong or whatever, you know. So yeah, they really instill that. Um, they're very supportive. But as far as in the industry, probably the people I work for, Mike Davis, Trent Lowski, Gabe Hutchins, you know, they really paved the way for me. But Andre Pawnee, Craig Schmerzel, those are probably the two that I look up to the most. You know, their their horses are. You always expect them to have three horses in the finals. Their horses are broke. They're fat. They're slick. They're healthy. You know, they do right for the or for the horse, by the horse, you know, but the horses are broken. There's no excuses. And you can see those horses when they sell them or whatever, they still have a very successful show career. And that's kind of something that I've always tried to, you know, do to my business, my horses. You know, they're broke. Um, no questions. They're broke. They're fat. They're healthy, slick, uh, you know, doing all that stuff. Besides riding them to make them stay sound and stuff like that, taking care of the horse itself. Right. Those probably the people I look up to the most, yeah. I think I've heard people say that the real proof of your success as a horse trainer is when somebody else can go show your horse. I agree. I do agree with that. I think one thing, one thing that's helped me, I've always had non-pros too. So 
Right. You know, you kind of learn how to train horses that other people are going to have to get on ride. And I think that's, it's really helped shape me as an open rider because, you you know, really, I think 90% of horses, even if they're open horses, they'll trickle down to a non-pro derby horse and there'll be a non-pro horse. Eventually they're going to be a rookie horse and they're going to be a youth horse. You know, that those, those good, those good horses have a real long show career, you know, especially if they're taken care of, but you know, they have a long road ahead of us besides, you know, the, the six, seven years they're with us, you know, and that's kind of one thing I try to instill in these horses, you know, broke is broken. Anybody can ride broke. What's one mistake that you've learned from when you're riding and training horses and how has it changed maybe your thought process and how you train horses now? You know, I think early on, uh, when you're super, super hungry, you don't know when to quit, like back off the horse. Now, one thing I really try to do and I really pride myself on it is I try to keep each ride consistent and moving forward. Uh, how I go about that is I just try to get one to two percent better. Uh, to me, I'd rather quit too early uh, on that horse as far as, you know, maybe not asking, trying to go through that horse, get get it all today. And that horse walked back to the barn and go, man, I, I understand exactly what he's saying. I did it. And the horse is confident. Because when you have that mindset, I think that horse comes out the next day hunting the answer better rather than, um, you know, if you try to get 10% improvement today, I think that horse, sometimes you take its confidence away and, you know, it, it, the horse doesn't really want to do it. And I remember when I was playing basketball, you know, I always try to relate things to this growing up playing sports you know you had that coach that was that was a very positive coach you had that coach that was just always you know drilling you you weren't ever doing it right and I mean I had one of those coaches and half my team quit right so you know I try to I try to take my experiences from growing up playing sports and try to really transfer them into how I teach these horses you know if I can I make this thing one percent better and it walked back to the barn confident and you know, like in its job, I almost guarantee tomorrow it's going to want to come out and do that job better. You know, I think that's one thing I do think Craig has taught me that, you know, don't drill it, drill it, drill it, make it a little bit better and be done with it. That's right. one thing I think I really learned from Craig. You know, the, the horse industry can be all encompassing. And I know, you know, both you and your wife are really involved in it. What do you guys like to do outside of horses for a, a break or to do something different just to you know, get your mind in a different, in a different place. You know, one thing we do is we like to hang out with our, with some friends. Uh, we have a group of friends that they show uh, pleasure horses and all around horses. So it's a little bit different, you know, different world. You get to talk about something different, but you know, like we still talk about horses. It seems right. like all the time, but just hang out. I mean, whether watch movies, if we want to go out, go somewhere, I would like to say vacation, but usually we don't do anything <laughs> until the end of the year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I enjoy playing guitar. That's the one thing I like to do to get away from, you know, it kind of helps me at the end of the day relax a little bit. Right. But, you know, we just kind of hang out with friends while we cook dinner and not do much. I mean, that's kind of enjoyable for us. Well, when you're home, it's probably nice to be home because you're not there. Right oh, now. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just we just bought a ranch beginning of the year, so I mean, it never really does end. Right. But you know, on the afternoons, maybe after we get done mowing or something, like on the weekend, we just it's kind of nice just to sit sit on the back patio and 
have a couple drinks and some appetizers and just relax with some friends and do nothing, you know? That sounds nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you weren't a horse trainer, what do you think you would have done with your life? Uh, I, I honestly think I would do some sort of military. Okay. Just because I really, I really like structure. Okay. Um, I like, I like the idea of you have a role, you know, you're a team player, you have a role. Um, but to me, structure is very big and I try to have, you know, a lot of structure in my, my training program is, you know, not only for the horses, but my employees. Um, but it would probably be some sort of military, which I know people that are listening to this is going to be very surprised to hear that, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it'd probably be some sort of military, um, just because of the structure idea. And if it wasn't military, it'd still have to be something with structure. Yeah. I, I hear you I like, that. I like I like structure and I like leadership. Yeah. Uh, I think I think being a basketball coach would be fun, but I don't think that would make me enough enough money being like a <laughs> high school basketball coach or something. But yeah. I, I I like coaching and I like structure. How would your customers, if I if I were to ask them, how do you think they'd dis- describe you? Competitive, fun. Yeah. I think that's one thing that we'll say is I'm. I try to at least be a real fun guy to be around. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be around, a, you know, somebody who's got a bad attitude or I, I try to make everything fun, you know, keep in mind, this is why they're doing it. It'd be fun, but yep. very competitive. You know, I'm always trying to get better, uh, but I would probably say fun. Most of it. I joke around a lot. Yeah. I can usually make anybody laugh at some point. That's a great trait to have when, when, I mean, this is your customer's hobby, you know, and they, yeah, it is. It's it's their outlet yeah. for fun. Like you're playing guitar or hanging out with your friends is for fun. This is their fun, and so I think. You know, I think when you do something and it, and it's very true for me as a horse trainer because I love it, but I still have, you know, I have fun teaching a horse something. You know, whether it's even teaching a baby to lead. I mean, the the idea that that horse grasped what you taught it is very intriguing to me and fun. But also, I have a lot of fun learning. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not really a job. You know. Uh, it's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of work, but it's fun because, you know, you're, I like the learning part and I like the teaching. So to me on the non-pro side, if they're having fun and they're learning, typically they're going to do better. Right. And I really do think, because when you have fun and you learn, normally confidence follows that. So if, if they're, if they're enjoying it and want to be around you, typically they're, they're getting better, you know, and winning is fun. For sure. <laughs> yep, it is. Um, so you, you'd mentioned that, you know, you like teaching a baby how to lead or, you know, working with Colts. What's your favorite phase to work with? Um, do you have one that, that you really enjoy more than the others? I Honestly, I love writing two-year-olds. Okay. Uh, you know, now in where I'm kind of at and I don't, I don't start on myself, but I do enjoy uh, you know, I would I would still enjoy it because I love that, you know, that, that point where those horses have no idea. Typically, they're a little bit scared of you, you know, and all of a sudden you can get them eaten out of your, you know, if, if you learn how to read a horse, mm-hmm. that's one thing I try to really teach my help is, you know, take the time and read the horse. You know, there's times where that horse is, you know, opening itself up to you, you know, and you got to reward that. To me, that's that two-year-old stage from start to... I would say, honestly, the whole two-year-old stage itself. Like I have, 
so like right now I'm, my my morning is typically fraternity horses and that's that's fun for me too but like the afternoon there's two-year-olds and usually i cannot wait to get to ride these two-year-olds because you can teach them so much and you know with not having to drill them you know you just teach them at one percent but i'd probably say the neatest the, the best part of the two-year-old year is about 60 to 90 days you know onwards because you know once you get them started you're pretty much just putting the time in riding them getting consistent to me they're not they're getting better but you're not really doing it to me you're not doing a lot of training it's more or less putting the time in that first nine you know zero to 90 days it's getting that consistency but from then on when you can start teaching them how to move their bodies and stuff like that and you can just tell they're starting on it that's to me that is why i train horses that that part of it yeah that measurable progress is is huge yeah. for the horse but also for and you it, to like keep your confidence up and that you know your passion and interest too yep that the whole idea of teaching a horse how to move its body and put its feet here you know not only that but really starting to get into its mind that's i mean that is why i mean i for me at least and i'm sure a lot of the trainers will tell you that is why we get out of bed every morning because there's and i still remember that first time i ever felt that when i was probably you know 13 14 years old that is why i wanted to be a horse trainer there's just something about that that feeling you get when you when that horse gives its mind up to you and you could teach that horse how to move its shoulder you know move its rib cage to tip it's just and to me it's just fascinating what you can do to these things yeah so you and i have talked about this a little bit but um what does the idea of the respect the horse respect the sport initiative from nrha what does that mean to you and kind of how do you see that in your daily training program or when you go show um how you deal with your customers even um what 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 thoughts do you have about that initiative you know for me i i don't ever claim to, to be a horse trainer i claim to be a horseman okay. just because i i mean i do love horses i mean there's a lot of times you might catch me in the stall just petting on one you know to me i like to find i, I like to figure out how to make these horses really enjoy me uh you know a big pet peeve of mine is a horse that will not walk out of its stall or doesn't want to be caught I mean, to me, that's that's terrible horsemanship because there's a reason that horse doesn't want to get out of stall because of what you're doing to it in the arena or, you know, it's not black and white. And there's none of praise in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there's nothing nothing more fun for me is going, like I enjoy it on a Sunday when no one's around. I like going, just going through the barn and walk in the stalls and pet on the horses. I know that sounds a little corny, but I catch myself doing that. Uh, Cause that's why we're doing it. We're doing it for the love of the horse, the respect for the horse. You know, and like one thing I'm really big on, I strive to be even better is, you know, taking care of those horses, icing, poulticing, you know, no, first of all, you got to know your horse. You got to know when, you know, know if, you know, there's a little bit of fluid in, in one of the legs, you know, I, you need to be there to ice it. So to me, that's the respect of the horse. If you want a hundred percent on that horse, you better give a hundred percent, at least a hundred percent back to it because uh, you know it is a team it's a team effort and you can't do it without the horse and sometimes the horse can do it without you but i usually i doubt it yeah. so it's a it's a to me it's got to be the team aspect so that's kind of what respect the horse means to me is be a better horseman you know pride yourself on being a better horseman and knowing your horse respecting the sport you know trying to find ways to improve yourself improve the sport improve your customers whether it's 
you know, maybe if you got an idea that you, you need to bring up at an NRHA meeting, that would help, you know, getting your customers more involved. Right. Uh, you know, like we try to pay stall sponsorships, you know, just anything we can do to give back, I think, I think makes huge difference. You know, for me, I'm very big on if I know something and somebody asks me for help, I'm going to spend a lot of time teaching it or doing what I can to help you out because pretty soon that person is going to be beating me someday and I want them to feel like they need to return the favor. You know, I want to be able to ask for help and, you know, something people that I've always looked up to, if I needed an answer right now and called them, they they would answer and give me the, their best opinion on what it would help help me out. So that's kind of one thing I try to pride myself on. Um, and everybody starts somewhere, you know. There's never a time where, you know, if you're seven years old and you want to start writing, let's do it. You know, let's do it and do it right. So very open to that. Perfect. So just kind of in closing, Cole, what, what's your biggest goal and what kind of legacy do you want to leave on, you know, the, the reining industry, but also the horse industry overall? Where do you see yourself? You know, my my biggest goal, and I think is kind of just me personally, I, I really truly want to just be the best. Um, I'd love to be the highest money earner, you know, win the most maturities. But at the end of the day, I want people to know that, you know, honestly, honest, hardworking guy, good person, a lot of fun to be around, did a lot for the industry. You know, it's just a good horse trainer, good horseman, really took care of horses, great business person, but overall just a good, honest person. Well, um, Cole, we really appreciate your time and um, we'll look forward to seeing how you how you and your horses do this fall and, and into the big fraternity at the end of the year. And um, we'll be excited to see how that all goes and we wish you the best of luck. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. For more about reining and NRHA, visit NRHA.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at NRHA National Reining Horse Association and on Instagram at NRHA Reining.